right, KISS Army. Welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. We hope that you enjoy. 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 Welcome to episode 365 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, and we are live. So who knows who else is going to join us? If you are tuning in and joining us on YouTube, then please do feel free to throw in comments, questions, opinions, topics, because we're going to be going and trawling through the KISS FAQ message board to see what's going on there this week. Today, of course, with me are the almighty voice of reason, Ken. Hey there. Lonnie, St. Louis Kiss. What's up? And Mark should be along, and who knows who else may pop in, because I did put out our little link to everyone in the uh, in our little podcast family. Well, and we're recording, so uh, we, are, we are indeed live. So, Lonnie, <laughs> why don't we jump straight into some topics from the board, or uh, do you guys want to just quickly talk about Dusty Beard since, uh, or Dusty Hill? Our rock stars getting old, you know, and they're passing on. And there have been so many people who've passed away this week. Um, you know, Joey Jordanson, Slipknot, a lot of Kiss connections, obviously Gary Corbett, Jeff Labar, and now Dusty. You know, Lonnie, what, what are your kind of thoughts on that? You know, it, it's, it seems like it's every day lately. Like, um, it's, it's kind of scary and it's kind of sad. And, um, it's a, it's a gut punch or it's like, it, it's like a gut punch in the afternoon. Almost every day I check my phone. I'm like, Oh my gosh. You know, it's like every day. It's like something's got to, something's got to give here. But to Julian's point though, I, I guess our rocks, our, our rock idols, our rock stars that we idolize, they they are getting, getting old. And unfortunately, Bad thing is unfortunately bad things happen. Um, so it was it was sad. Um, you know, ZZ Top's iconic iconic group, and it's it's you know it's it's tragedy to to lose us to lose him. Yeah, uh, just before we uh, went on the air, Ken and I were talking about it. I was talking about a uh, Destroyer show up at the Rock and Roll University in Santa Rosa, which was opened by, um, I think, the Californian band, The Watchers, who also have a side gig as a ZZ Top cover band. And they put on a storming cover set. I mean, they've got the beard, real beards and put on a, a set of deep cuts. And I, I was just saying how, you know, that went in to an area that I really enjoyed because I didn't know all that deep cut music from ZZ Top. So um, I knew a lot of the stuff from the 80s, but hearing all the 70s stuff did make me go back and listen to their catalog. And it was so much less painful than Springsteen's Deep Cuts, which uh, had me banging my head. Um, so Ken, your thoughts on ZZ Top while I add uh, Daniel? Yeah, I mean, it, it's sad. I, I wasn't a big, uh, I mean, uh, big follower of ZZ Top, though. You know, I had the, the that hit you know the hit albums from the 80s that sort of thing um but i thoroughly enjoyed that stuff and some of their other older material um i did i did uh, get to see them once at the cow palace in san francisco in the 80s uh when they were kind of at their height um in the early 80s um so yeah it's, it's a sad thing they're all getting the rockers uh 
the rockers and the fans we're all getting older um and uh yeah it's sad it seems like it's more and more more and more guys are uh, frequently um, you know passing away these days unfortunately yeah, so, um, yeah, thanks for that comment on King of the Nighttime World. Yes, that was the latest video done for the song Stories that went up Monday. I think it went up mm. early. I, I pulled a mark and put it up early. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's the last one in the current series. So thank you to everyone for your support for those uh, 10 uh, episodes with 12 songs featured. Do go back if you haven't seen them and check them out and, and tell me if it's worthwhile doing another season. Mark, we're just talking about ZZ Top and the passing of uh, yet another rock star. Uh, in the month of July, and just to get your thoughts on longevity and you know heroes and everything on that. Well, it's kind of surprising actually. I mean, he wasn't really somebody who was on the radar before, like that could possibly go away, you know, early. Um, and then he also had you know Joey from Slipknot, who also passed away, their drummer who just died. And then also you got the singer from Metal Church who also recently passed away. And all these and those guys were really young like in retrospect they were like in their 40s and 50s i think some of these guys so yeah um very very surprising i mean even dusty i mean <clears throat> excuse me i wasn't expecting like i said i wasn't expecting anything from him because you know usually sometimes you hear things like you know he always oh, he, he was ill or he was going to go and he was he was he he didn't do that couple of shows that they said but they said that was because of a hip problem that he had so you know, I don't think anybody was expecting him to pass away. So, no. Well, you know what? At least he he did it at home rather than on the road. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. which we're in the hospital. I know which one I'd prefer. <laughs> Daniel, welcome. We're gonna get uh, jump into today's. Um, you know, we're gonna go through the board. And uh, I did listen to my first Slipknot song this week, so there <laughs> there is that. Lonnie, you were gonna get us kicked off with a topic from the board. Yeah. Yeah, I was. Um. So I guess you guys saw that um, Kiss Online has there was on Kiss Online today they have German versions of the vinyl and T-shirts. I thought that was interesting today. You know, so it got me thinking about those 2014 reissues. Those have become very scarce and very hard to find um, online lately. At least at least for me, I'm still missing a couple that I'd like to add to my collection and. They've become scarce, so I, I don't know the reasoning that all of a sudden these German ones are appearing on Kiss Online. Are they trying to get rid of some stock of what they have, or, or what's going on with that? I thought I thought that was interesting, considering those American versions have become, have become kind of scarce lately. Well, I mean, I don't know what the deal is as far as why they're doing it now, but I know that those German ones were actually considered to be very good pressings of them like as far as sound quality and stuff like that much better than the actual european ones because there were like a there was like a u.s one a european one and then a separate german one of the 2014s i believe so and i know that they were saying that the german ones are really good uh so maybe you know they became scarce because people bought them up early but now now i guess they want to grab them right yeah, it's weird. The t-shirts uh, just look like crap, just like a cover. <laughs> slap, 
just slapped on a black t-shirt sorry not interested they do have the best of the solo albums apparently for 22 dollars, which is an absolute steal mm-hmm. i've already seen people buying you know as many as they can obviously uh i, I wouldn't be surprised if a couple show up on ebay but you know all, all's fair yeah well the the best of the solo albums was obviously it, it had a uh the special what, splatter or whatever it was edition that uh, came out earlier. So that was all, I think, bought and it's all gone. Uh, I, I assume this one is a black vinyl one. And I, you know, who knows how many uh, they pressed to that one. Um, but yeah, th- I mean, yeah, the shirts are yeah, okay. Um, I'm, a, I'm not a big fan of collecting all of Germany or anything like that. I have a couple, you know, editions of it. Um, but yeah, it's maybe they're just trying to now clear out house. Yeah, um, clear uh, stock. And, and, and in preparation for something else coming, uh, I hope. Um, <laughs> like some kind of new deal going on with like uh, newer pressings, uh, like special stuff. Hopefully. Ever hopeful, Ken. Ken Ken so optimistic well let's destroy his optimism because one of the threads that I did see um, which album has aged better crazy nights or hot in the shade Mm. Daniel let's start with you on that this is quick fire Uh, okay well from my point of view I think it's hard to pick one because neither one has really aged that well I think but I think I'll go for Crazy Nights because at least they put in an effort to 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 go for a sound. Hot in the Shade was just lazy. I mean, the drum machine and all it was <laughs> terrible. Unfortunately, they had four or five really good songs on Hot in the Shade. They could have done something with that album, but it was so lazy and like a mishmash of different things. So I'll go for Crazy Nights. Yeah, it could have been a real good EP, Hot in the Shades. Mark? Yeah, I have to agree. I think Crazy Nights is far better and has aged far better. I think, you know, songs like Crazy Nights or, you know, the, the ballad and everything else, I think those songs that were popular then are still, you know, pretty decent now. And, uh, you know, I think it just aged better. I, I, I never really was into Hot in the Shade. It was the last record I actually got from the Kiss catalog. I, I just held off on getting it because there was nothing on it that really appealed to me on that record yeah i loved it hot in the shade so <laughs> it's gonna shock everyone that i'm gonna say crazy nights i played the living daylights out of hot in the shade when it first came out i loved rise to it in that start it was so cinderella-ish and there were several songs in there that i thought were really really good but it has not aged well um the songs pound for pound on crazy nights the there were good songs are have aged very well for my tastes. So I, was, I, I always I, wanted Mark to do a, a heavy metal version of one of the Crazy Night songs. I think it would be <laughs> awesome, or a harder sound because the songs are kind of there, but the sound, you know, isn't there. Sorry, the, you and I. Yeah, no, the the sound. I mean, you listen to Paul's demos, which now circulate, and they sound so much better. Everything that they ever said about those, like gang chorus, is sounding better in Crazy Nights. <laughs> the song and I'll fight hell to hold you. They do sound good. And and turn on the night. I'm sorry, that's uh, you know. Well, that's, that's just point. me, Ken. Yeah, um, this may surprise you. <laughs> I'm gonna pick Hot in the Shade. 
Um, <clears throat> for the basic reason, uh, the sound is just dated. The sound is is the problem for me. Not necessarily the the song quality, um, though. There are <laughs> yeah. some songs on there just too, you know. Paul Stanley singing way too high. Um, I, you know, and Hot in the Shade. Yeah, if if I trim that down to a ten song album, I can make a you know pretty good album out of it. And and we've talked about that before. And you know what? The the vinyl remaster, two thousand fourteen. Sounds pretty good compared to the original CD, which has not been remastered yet. So I picked Hot in the Shade. All right. There's always one in the crowd. <laughs> yeah, there is just one in the crowd because you because um, I'm not going to pick Hot in the Shade. I'm going to pick Crazy Nights. And the problem is, can, is you, you, you can't trim it down to 10 songs because there are all those other crappy songs on there. They're still there. You can't trim it down. You can't skip it on the vinyl. That's not part of the that's rules. The that, that's out of the... That's out, you're out of your lane there doing that. So um, I, I think the sound on Crazy Nights is actually better, though, because I think it's a great timestamp of where music was in 1987 when it came out, whereas Hot in the Shade just sounds so freaking flat, and just you can just tell it's just demos that we're going to throw on a disc and throw it out there and say, here you go, here's a new Kiss album. So I think because of that, you know, I, I think not that I sit here and praise Crazy Nights, but I think Crazy Nights is just a much better, has aged a whole lot better because you can look at other everything else that came out in that era and say, well, that fits in. Whereas Hot in the Shade doesn't sound like anything that came out in 1989. It doesn't sound like anything at all. It sounds like a collection of leftovers. Correct. And that's what it is. Well, yeah, ex you, exactly. You, and well, well, just to interject quickly. <laughs> <Poor Ken>. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> just just to say that to interject here though i i think uh you know what rise to it is better than anything on on crazy nights um uh, I, mm. and i and i think forever, forever is a pretty darn good good ballad um yeah on there so that's what's hide your heart just, yep. yeah and hide your heart i mean come on um i think they were going to maybe use that for crazy nights but you know they did not, but uh, I, I'm just. There's a leftover. There's some, there some good songs. It's a leftover. <laughs> yeah, Stefan raises a little bit of a point that I was going to make contrary um, about the guitar work on Crazy Nights is much more developed and thought out, whereas mm -hmm. with uh, Hot in the Shade being more demos, it almost feels like the amount of attention and detail did not go into the crafting of, you know, lead work in particular, like it would be for a fully finished uh, product and a very deliberately thought out product like Crazy Nights. So that's why to this day I, I say listen to Crazy Nights and to those solos, yeah. but try and ignore the production. To me, it seems like they did uh, put in the effort for a few of the songs on Hot in the Shade, like Forever, you have a great solo, High Your Heart, great solo as well, and maybe one or two more songs. But the rest, they didn't put enough uh, you know, work into. So, so uh, as Ken said, it could have been something, but it wasn't. All right. Who wants to throw out another topic from the board? Well, Don't all fight at once. If we go to uh, Facebook, I uh, saw they put up a few topics over there. Uh, your least favorite song, album by album. Oh, my. Uh, 
Um, <laughs> do we have to go maybe we can do that one for an event. I'd, I'd like to hear uh, your least favorite song from Revenge. We'll start off with Lonnie. Well, you can't. <laughs> <laughs> but you can't count. I'm not going to count Car Jam '81 because I don't. No, that's good. We don't count. Correct. I don't, it's it's like it's like the other game we were doing. It was like a couple weeks ago we were doing the Elder. We didn't count Fanfare. We're 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 going to throw that out right up right off the top. So mm. you're like asking me to pick like my least favorite kid, even though I don't have any kids. <laughs> so, um. I don't know. You, you can do it. You can do I it. I can do it. I can. I'm, and I'm going to go. I'm going to go paralyzed at the end of the day. Oh, God. It's tough, <laughs> but I'm going to go paralyzed. It, I, it, it's, a, it's a good song, but it doesn't. And I know what, Dan, I know what Daniel's going to say, but I know his least favorite song of Revenge. But I'm going to go paralyzed. It, it's good, but it's it, it to me, it doesn't have. It's, it's not as good as the rest of it. Then that's just that's it. Mm -hmm. All right. You, Daniel, you're going to say track yeah. five, aren't you? Yeah, you, you went for Daniel. So, Daniel, you're up. What's your least favorite oh, song? Well, it's good that Lonnie knows uh, my least what, favorite song because I don't know which one. I know what it is. You've which one is it many times on the show. It's which God gave is? rock and roll to you. Uh, well, it's, it's really Come on, well done. So, there's so many I'm, to I'm choose from on that album. I don't think that's too many to choose from. For me, it's between Spit uh oh, paralyzed yeah. and uh, well i guess one of those two so i think i'll go for because i kind of like most of paul's songs on there uh but the real highlights are of course uh, unholy and i also enjoy mm -hmm. thou shalt not the problem i have with god gave rock and roll to you is mostly the the lyrics right. i think it's a, they perform it real well but i can't really get into the lyric lyrics mm. on the other hand thou shalt not has perfect lyrics Probably my favorite song when it comes to to Kiss lyrics. So, uh, but I'll go for uh, I think I'll go for Paralyzed as well. <clears throat> Interesting. But it's, but it's better than a lot of songs on on Hot in the well, Shade. That's but it's sure. still better than a lot of songs on Hot in the Shade and Crazy Nights. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. you know, knowing my love of Bob Ezrin, this would be really easy to pick a terrible song off here. But here we go. you know, uh, but uh, honestly, this is probably one of his best production works that he's done for them mm -hmm. but you know i think i don't think it's going to be any surprise to anybody including my dear friend lonnie that when i pick spit as the worst song possibly ever created by kiss that he'll he'll, he'll understand that coming from me it would be my choice you know that i i would choose that but you know it, it is dreadful they do and you know they actually do like they had the gall to put the american anthem in as part of the solo like how ridiculous is that and bob ezrin okay why that. do you hate america <laughs> hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not the Iron Sheik here. I'm not doing anything. No, I'm not doing any of that. So, you know, but, but, do you think? Do you think they did that because they had already thought that they would perform the song live on the tour? Maybe you know, and they had the Statue of Liberty idea too. So maybe it was something all behind you know the the love of America. Because I mean, look, we know how much Gene loves America more than the average American. Well, I Mark think. does. Yeah. Well, hey, I don't, I don't hate America. I've been to America many, many times, and I, I've enjoyed it. And I have, and all of you guys are my friends. You know, our American friends. So, you know, it's just that album has some really, really, really high points, like you know, unholy, 
and take it off i think is a great song and you know i just wanna i think is pretty decent you know there's lots of songs in there that are, that are good thou shall not is good but there's the ones i don't like i really don't like on that album yeah. All right, I'm going to save Canada from the, this is like a hockey match, <laughs> USA versus Canada. Um, oh, well, we've got Sweden in there as well. Free, free, uh, free, free, like free agency. Yeah, Ken, yep. talk some yeah. sense into this conversation, please help well, us. I don't know. <laughs> I, I do like spit. Thank you. you know, Ken. I, I'll just say I like spit, but uh, you know, to me, it's like a toss-up between a couple songs, and one of them is "Tough Love." Uh, that's one for me. And the other one is every time I look at you, because I think it didn't reach its full potential until it was on unplugged. Uh, it's much better on unplugged than on revenge. Um, so th those are the kind of the two that I would pick from. Uh, but my first thought was tough love. So uh, I guess I'll have to go with that. I like that song. All right, I'm I'm split between Spit and Domino, um, which is, both have been mentioned. Uh, I think I'm gonna have to go with Spit because I usually bash it. Um, yeah, but, but there you go. It, you know, even with the wonderful production, that just makes it a very well polished turn. So, all right, which moves nicely into another topic on the board, which is what would you like from Bruce? You know, Bruce has been recording with the Vegas Mob, which is of course. Uh, uh, Todd, Brent, and uh, I always forget the other guy, but there you go. Um, he's doing a lot of different things. He, they've just done a recording with Eric Singer of Heaven, um, but he's always out there carrying the banner for Kiss, for mm -hmm. Kiss in the 80s. He's always doing something. Um, he's out, I think he's on the road now because it's summertime with Grand Funk. So, uh, but what would what would fans really like to see Bruce doing that perhaps he hasn't done? He sits down and talks about his video, uh, his guitars and gear. He talks about songs. He shared soundboard recordings. Uh, what else do you want from the man? Um, Mark? Well, what would be actually cool, and since I, I can't imagine Kiss ever doing this anytime soon, is if you could somehow, somehow, this is of course guessing that he can do this, uh, finagle some of the original master tapes, go into a studio and do like a kind of, you know, like a VH1 thing where he goes through some of the 80s albums that he was on and maybe go through some of the production of it and show some of his, you know, solo out some of his tracks and maybe talk about some of the gear that he used on the recording of the record and stuff like that. I would love to hear him do like a sort of analysis of like uh, Asylum or something like that. Like get the master reels up, go through it, you know, solo some of Eric Carr's drumming, you know, go through like, you know, King of the Mountain, let us hear it just soloed out and just show how they kind of, you know, went through and made the song top to bottom, you know. And, they, and you know, because he was in so many of the records, you know, it would be fantastic to 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 see something like that. You know, I, I would I would love to see a sort of you know behind the scenes look like that. And you know, he's always been flying that flag of the '80s kiss. So if anybody could probably get away with it, or maybe he could you know rib you know Paul a little bit and say, hey, listen, let me do a little short you know special on these albums. Maybe they would let him do it. You know, who knows? Probably not, Lonnie. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean. I'm kind of with Julian in the fact that what, what more do you want from the guy? The, the guy has been, you know, the card carry member of Kiss in the 80s, you know, carries that flag and carries it proudly. Um, I would imagine that if Eric Carr was still with us, that he would be side by side with him, joining him on, mm -hmm. on, you know, 
trumpeting that that era of the band. But you know, one thing maybe, maybe Bruce could do is, is is I don't know could could, could and I'm, I'm, I kind of feel like I'm Ken on this, and that's you know could <laughs> could you know could could Bruce talk Gene and Gene and Paul into doing some kind of like unmask like kiss unmasked or kiss without the makeup box set like of, of just mm. that era type of music and, and obviously it would really be geared toward the hardcore fans but i th i think that as, as much as kiss concentrates on the 70s and then they ignore everything from 83 to 96 it would be really cool to get some kind of of, of box set like really just packaged with with a bunch of demos and live recordings and of, of things from that era and and you know, let let Bruce spear spear that project. I think that would be really really cool. Yeah, and you know what? I'll tell you something. The thing that's really interesting about this is that my other band that I'm a big, you know, supporter of, Yes, have just now again released and announced two more huge box sets coming out. They're doing the ABWH and Anderson Bruford Wakeman Howe Deluxe Edition with like nine CDs, five DVDs, all this stuff, pictures, this and that, lamb, like all kinds of crazy stuff. And then they're even redoing, releasing on vinyl as well, as well as the DVDs and the Blu-rays, the 1975 show from the uh, from Queens Queens Range Park, what they did for Relayer. Uh, they're, they're redoing the quad sound on it and everything. I mean, it's it's sort of heartbreaking that one of my bands can do all these things and release all these fantastic kind of boxes. And the other one is just so stuck in the mud with doing this stuff, you know? Ken. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'd like to see from Bruce, um, well, a BK four album. And mm -hmm. also he actually talked recently and this is the first time I, at least I heard it. <laughs> That of him talking about actually writing a book. Uh, he hmm. actually mentioned it in uh, during uh, in one of those live auctions that he was involved with, and he was talking a lot about stuff. And he talked about you know a book. I was like, oh, he hasn't really. Usually, he's shied away from that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought, oh, that's that would be really good. I'd love to. Because he, he has a great memory still. Uh, and I'm sure there's a lot of great stories. And if he does this career, um, it should be pretty darn interesting. Uh, book. Yeah. Uh, book is it for me. And I, I would like him to not focus wholly on Kiss. I would really like the stories of Meatloaf. Blackjack, Bolton, all those studio sessions that he did. I know he's, he was, you know, years ago still friendly with some of the people that he'd worked with early on. Um, the Stevie stuff, Rosetta, you know, it's just endless. And after Kiss, I don't want to, him to talk about any of that session work because there's just so much of the freaking stuff. Pick some highlights. Um, and, and don't talk about tribute albums apart from a session to talk about his uh, his brother. So a book would be very nice. And, you know, I'd really like him to lay it out the narrative and try and paint a scene with a, a ghostwriter, a good one, um, you know, about coming into Kiss in 82 and getting rejected and then getting the call in 84 to paint that up nice in a nice narrative form and not for it necessarily to be in the way he that he that he talks so it doesn't need to be like peter's book or ace's book it, it can be a little bit more of his autobiography but well written and and very vivid 
that, that would be very nice. But as for anything else, he does so much already. I, I, I'm not going to, you know, even think of stuff that's missing. You know, the idea of a, an unoriginals box set would be nice, but, uh, you know, that's out of Kiss's control. That goes, you know, into other areas. So I won't hold my breath or ask Bruce for that. Daniel. You guys had a lot of great ideas. I don't know if I have that much to add, but you didn't mention anything about uh, live performances. And I think <clears throat> the last few years when he performed with his band on the cruise, uh, those performances have been some of the highlights, I think, uh, even if you count, count in what Kiss has done. So for sure, I would like him to do a tour with that band. But again, is there a market for it? Can maybe if it can can be uh, you know opening act for a, for a bigger band that would be great. Imagine if it could open for Kiss, for example, that would be awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, and also maybe some re-recording of his 80s Kiss stuff with his band. Maybe add one or two songs from his Kiss era that he feels a bit. Uh, re-record songs that he feels feel ha- ha- are special to him. And that he can kind of re-record and make make them feel up to date because he sure as hell has got a great band behind him. So I'd love I'd love to see his new record um, and some sort of live performances to go along with that. Otherwise, your your suggestions are just great. It's it's not easy to be last in this panel because you cover it also also well. So there's not much for me to say. Yeah, I love the idea of him taking that band out on the road and doing like what they've done with the crews, you know, in, you know, theaters and and smaller venues. I would love if that were the case for them to whoever the drummer is to do an Eric Carr recreation syndrome demo from the mid 80s. So you remember the the Metallica tones and all that programmed into those. It'd be really fun just as a, a little tribute to Eric to see that done. And I, I don't think that's that has been done or anything like that yet. So if there's tribute bands who are looking for something different, get out some of those Simmons pads. Well, maybe not those Simmons pads, the other <laughs> Simmons pads. <laughs> all right, who's got a topic other than me? Lonnie, Ken, Daniel. I got one. Okay, good. Go ahead. Fixing Psycho Circus. I saw that earlier. And um, the original poster, you know, put up some of those demos that we've heard, like Body and Soul and I Want to Rule the World, Sweet Dirty Love. What, you know, those, those are his suggestions on how to fix, how he would have fixed Psycho Circus. Because, you know, we, and we've talked about the album a lot on the show that it really hasn't aged well. What would you guys do, or what could, what would you guys do to fix Psycho Circus in a, in a hypothetical world? Different Paul producer, Stanley. Different producer, <laughs> different producer, and also include Ace and Peter, and give Ace some space Tyler and make Paul him Stanley. write a song or two. Uh, so that's basically it. The songs on the album aren't up to par. Uh, special for me, uh, f- quite a few of the Gene songs are really horrible. Uh, and I actually like I Want to Rule the World, uh, that song. I think that could have been something uh, pretty good. It has a catchy chorus and should have used that one instead of some, some of the material that ended up on, on the album. Like Journey of a Thousand Years, You Wanted the Best is one of the worst. Oh, it's one of the worst songs ever. 
It's uh, it's really thick in irony. He wanted the best. He sure as hell didn't get sure it. Sure so. <laughs> no, so so uh, different producer. Let the band play and uh, change some of the songs. I actually like most of Paul's stuff on that song, on that album. Yeah, I think they needed to have uh, to be put in a room together, the four of them, with no advisors, no lawyers, and just the walls are covered with 1970s photos of the band, um, you know, to remind them of who they are, what they were, and not a single photo past 1975, just to, for them to be brought back to Super Kiss and Greatest Kiss, uh, you know, was not the foundations of the band. And perhaps if they started trying to make music together first before starting negotiations, th they should have had a Kramer or Ezrin, they shouldn't have been branching out to using a new producer without a doubt. That's why I said tie up Paul Stanley, because, you know, I think it needed to have an adult making the decisions for them saying you need to work with someone who you've worked with before who can bring out the best in you or simply capture you in the most organic way possible. So if you're not looking for art and being creative and fixing stuff, use Kramer. If you're looking to take bits and pieces and meld them into something that works, use Zazarin um, and get rid of all those extraneous co-writers. That, that's the only thing that could have been done in my view because they forgot who they were. All of them. Not, yeah. not just one. All of them forgot who yeah. they were and what made them um, the greatest show on earth, the biggest you know, band in the world. Yeah, you know, I mean, no, I think you hit a really good point, Julian, about that because if they would have went back to let's say Eddie Kramer, okay, and used him to do it, and then get um, them to just have all four of them play together. Now everyone's gonna say, okay, well, you know, you know, if they did that, it wouldn't maybe the maybe the playing the performance wouldn't be as good as they did with the other people that played on the record. Okay, but the thing is, at least it would sound like his sounds. One of the things that I like about the new soundboard recording that came out is that yeah, Ace is a bit sloppy in his playing, but that's how I remember hearing them when I heard them in 96 and 97, when they came back, you know what I mean? If they did an album with that kind of performance on record, sure. They could have still polished it up a little bit more, but at least it would have had that vibe to it a bit. You know, I think that they would have used the original people on there. They could have put out a record that sounded like kiss. Sure. It wouldn't have been a fantastically performed record, like a revenge or something, but it would still be a kiss album with some sort of vibe to it of the original people in it. I think that's what was missing from that. It's really polished. It's like almost hard to believe that that, you know, nobody probably believed right away that that was those Kiss people because it was so like beyond what people were expecting, I think, as far as performance. All right, Lonnie, save Psycho Circus. No, I, I think Julian made some excellent points. And I remember hearing stories that when Black Sabbath was recording 13, that Rick Rubin did very similar to what to what Julian suggested. He put them in a room and made them listen to those, just sit down and listen to those early Black Sabbath albums. This is what you guys sound like. And this is what the public is expecting. And this is what the public wants. Um, I, I think that kind of attitude with an Eddie Kramer or Bob Ezrin, uh, putting them in a room without lawyers, without anyone else, just the four of them, and either Kramer or Ezrin and saying, this is what 
this is our goal. This is what we need to be shooting for right here. Um, and it wasn't that at all. They 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 shot this way um, instead of instead of going for what was right in front of them. It took them um, ten years because I guess they did kind of that for Sonic Boom. Uh, yeah, correct. And they, and they they kind of went that way mm -hmm. for Sonic Boom ten years. With at least that was the goal. It was more of a meat and potatoes type of straight ahead rock album. Hey, we're gonna try to recreate it and say what you want about Sonic Boom. I personally, I really like Sonic Boom. I know other people aren't as big of a fan of it, but I think they at least were goal oriented on Sonic Boom. Of this is what we want, and they knew what they wanted when they did Sonic Boom, as opposed to you had four egos. I think you know out of control and you know four lawyers to go along with it, and it you know it, it the the uh, the proof is within the album what happened. I think most of the time they have had a clear goal, but a few albums they missed out on that one. And uh, Psycho Circus is for sure one of them. Hot in the Shade is another, and maybe Monster to some extent as well. Otherwise, I think they they have been pretty, you know, goal oriented and knew what they were going for. All right, Ken. Well, I do agree with a lot of your points, definitely. Um, Probably go last. <laughs> I, I do agree with a lot of your points. Uh, one thing is, I don't blame the producer for the production. I, I blame him partly because of the songs he chose. And I think he turned away a bunch of songs that were better than what was uh, uh, you know, put on there. Um, <clears throat> another standpoint is to yeah, you have them all together and, and just use their self-written songs and one of the things they probably should have done is like what van halen did for a different kind of truth uh bring in these old songs that never made it to album that were songs they wrote back in the you know 70s uh, and they and you know told them to make them work you know for whatever in the, in the end of the 90s there and use those uh because they, there's a lot of good kiss songs that were, weren't used uh, that we've heard in some demo form. So I think they could have done that and it would have been a lot better album. Um, and the other thing about it is Psycho Circus was inconsistent in this type of songs were on there. I mean, you left over from Carnival of Souls. Uh, we Are One didn't, I mean, it's a good song, but it's more Beatlesque kind of thing. Like mm -hmm. it would be on Gene Simmons' <clears throat> solo album. Um, so it, you need to make it more consistent of an album. I think that they would have chosen their stuff from the seventies, some of the songs that they didn't use and, and tooled them, get them going. They could have knocked out a, a pretty good album. But at least Peter and Ace can't be blamed for Psycho Circus since they're only on. They can't. You know, they can't. No, they in, can't actually. In, into yeah. the Void and Peter obviously sings, you know, one other song, uh, you know, unfortunately. But someone will blame them. Well, yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of people. There's there's four guys in the band, so there's four guys to blame, you know, regardless right. of who's driving the car to start sounding like Paul Stanley. But if you throw all four of them in the room and said, write a single song together and you're not coming out until you have or there's one of you left and you're really fat and three sets of bones. Um, I, I think you would have had one person emerge from that room and have three sets of bones because uh, uh, by that point, 
you know, they'd already made the money. They already had set, you know, made their bed in essence and had all the negativity and all the goodwill had been burned off from the reunion. So I don't think we were ever going to get anything. And David, uh, Red Walworth have made some good comments in the chat, you know, about it's my life would have been a good, a good choice. And yeah, that is them doing the Van Halen kind of uh, approach of going back in the catalog and it just boggles the mind that they would, you know, go back and do something like Gene's Carnival of Souls, you know, and, and try that out if you've listened to the extended sessions or the god-awful, David also mentioned, Body and Soul, which is, frankly... I know well, you're a big fan of that song. <laughs> ...is really, really bad. Um, <laughs> so let's get to, you know, one of the topics from one of our friends who've joined us. And I, I popped it up on the screen a couple of times to see if I could remember that. And it's the Rock and Roll podcast. Thank you for coming up with the idea. What was your favorite opening band for Kiss? All the times you've seen them on tour, who is mm -hmm. that one act who has, who still resonates with you that you don't even need to think about it. So don't be looking up at the sky. It's, it's, mm -hmm. it's, All right, it's, I got it. I got it's it. Easy. Yeah, All same right. here. All right. Good. Mark. If it's Motley Crew. What year? When they did that joint tour together. I'm only, I'm only saying oh, that count? because Ken probably saw that. Yeah, I guess Ken probably saw him opening. Some <laughs> Ken's much better than yeah, that. Yeah, no, no I, I wish I saw that tour. That would have been fantastic to see. But I mean, I mean, the only the only other times I've seen them, I, I honestly can't remember who the opening bands were. They, I think Econoline Crush was an opener one time. A Degeneration was an opener one time. And they were forgettable, like, honestly. Uh, but but the Motley Crue thing was probably the only band thing that I was like, wow, this is a great band to go on before Kiss. All right, Lonnie. Um, Motley Crue is good, but and 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 they were better actually better than Kiss the two nights I saw them on that tour. Mm. Um, mm. So I I mean I could say that, but because it was a co-headliner, I'm not going to say Motley Crue because it was it was billed as like a, a co-headliner. So I'm going to go. I, I, I'm going to go Alice in Chains. I saw Alice in Chains on the third show of the reunion tours. And it's pretty cool that I get to see Alice in Chains open for him. Um, second to last show Alice in Chains ever did with Lane Staley. Yeah. Um, but there was this band, I saw him in Sault Ste. Marie in 2007. And there's this band called Clown Sack. It was a local band that opened for him. They were, they, they were, they were very entertaining. <clears throat> they had these wow. girls in like bikinis dancing. They had like love gun type like white faces and like black hair um they were pretty entertaining they sang this song called rumple skills rumple still skin they sang. so it was pretty good i enjoyed it my brother and i still talk about it <laughs> <laughs> clearly lottie clearly they still resonate with they you do, it was that 2007 2007 yeah yeah all right Ken. <laughs> well I you didn't see clown sacks, you know, a good answer. I did not see clown <laughs> um, I, I did see, like, like uh, Mark, you know, Motley Crue in the later versions uh, of opening, way different than when I saw them in 83, when they were really hungry and just starting out as a new band. I mean, they were on fire. Yeah, but not not much difference between Vince's vocals in '83 and 2012. they were actually better. I know you say that they never sang that well, but it is a lot better. Um, 
So that one was close. I, I kind of have to throw in another one. I thought Wasp was really good, too, as, a, as an opener uh, when I saw them open for Kiss at the Cow Palace. I think it was Cow Palace in that one. So, what tour was uh, that? I, I, I think Silent. Was Silent. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it was Cow Palace. Um, so, yeah, those those two were were really great, you know, opening acts that I you know, thoroughly enjoyed. All right, now we're going truly international, Daniel. Uh, yeah, uh, let me. Um, I would have liked to see Montrose, but I was a bit too young back then. So, so my favorite has to be, you know, a packed stadium in Stockholm, 35,000 people, and you have the Swedish band Europe opening up. Mm. And, and Europe, you know, they had a big hit with Final Countdown. Yeah. No, Stormwind. Yeah, they have, a, they have quite a few good songs. Um, Rock the Night and uh, a few others. Uh, but of course, they got a big welcome from the crowd. Because mostly, to be honest, when you see opening acts for Kiss, people are mostly just drinking beer and they don't pay any, any attention. So you don't get a, a, a vibe for it. But this was a diff, it was a big difference this time. Uh, and uh, the whole, you know, stadium people jumped and, you know, rocked mm. out. So it was pretty, pretty cool. So I, I'll have to go uh, Europe for this one. Okay. I'm trying to think of some of the bands that have opened that when I've seen them and I've had stuff like Zio2's been mentioned, they're okay. Mm. Um, it, it's down to crew or Nugent for me. So, not uh, no, no, I mean, because that's not real Leopard anymore, you know, after about 2002. So, um, yeah, I'm gonna have to go with crew because they were that was the one band in 2012 that I really felt that they had blown Kiss away, and Kiss coming on afterwards was just not quite like seeing Kiss with one of these other bands opening for them. And then Farewell Tour, I think, was uh, was Ted Nugent, uh, which yeah. was a really good show because great songs. Um, and I, I don't give a fuck about the politics. I like his music, you know, and I always will. So that, that was a good topic. All right. So let's moving on into some other. David Donnelly, you've uh, posted about the uh, why albums have really boring back sleeves, um, the rears. <laughs> yeah. That's really one I think better left for Dennis Woolock to address, you know, as um, so. Or maybe we'll put that together as a, a different one. And Robert Dunning, yes, you're at the same show as Ken was at Concord and me too. So, all right, who's got a topic? Uh, there was one here before. I'm trying to find it, though, now. Oh, okay, you go and find it because I've got a good one right here. Okay, go ahead. What's the most interesting or unique items to have signed or that you have signed? Or add on to that, what is your most prized item that is signed by the band if uh, you have nothing unique or interesting? Lonnie. Um, <laughs> my legs. Um, oh, first, yes. first and foremost, I guess. But unique, unique item, 
Um, but your legs are unique. Well, that's true. They are mine. Yes. So, <laughs> but I, I, I got a couple others too. I have a Missouri license plate that says GN-SMNS. And I had it on my black Mustang back in the day when I was in my 20s. So Gene and I had Gene sign that uh, when I was backstage in um, in Sarnia in 2009, and I go here, Gene signed this, and he looks at it and he goes, "Oh, very nice." <laughs> he signs it real big on me. It was pretty cool. And I got one. Other, go ahead. I got one other thing. I got it like right next. To me. Go ahead. Okay. Ken. Uh, I'm trying to think of a unique. Nothing really unique signed. Um, I'm trying to think. I mean, Gene Simmons signed my, you know, the picture disc, that sort of stuff. Um, I have Ace uh, on a couple of albums, album covers. Um, but nothing nothing totally, you know, crazy unique uh, as far as as far as signatures. I, I don't have a ton of them, so I can't say anything that's special, special that someone might, you know, go crazy over. Yeah, it's much the same for me. I don't have anything spectacularly interesting. I've had some of my copies of my books signed by them, but I stopped doing that because mm -hmm. I just get rid of them. Um, you know, I, I've got one thing left that I won't ever get rid of, and that is the uh, reprint of the first Kiss poster that came in the Kisteria box set. When I got oh, Kisteria, yeah. I then spent the next year going to all the shows and getting it signed by Paul, Gene, then Peter, and Ace, of course. So, uh, you know, I knocked that out in a year getting it signed. It's not as cool or as awesome as, say, that 19, you know, the original one, original but one um, it's a little bit man more manageable in terms of size uh as well yeah. so and it is at least signed by the original so that, that's probably it for me um I, yeah I, I don't think there's anything else I'm, all my personalized photos lonnie was it you who i was taking photos of with Vinny signing you was did yes. i was i yes okay that was you i can't remember whose leg you're not the only person who does it apparently <laughs> mark um i know i'm gonna get ridiculed for this by the peanut gallery people but Good. I have absolutely nothing signed by Kiss. I have zero. Like, I've never, I've never went and asked for anything because I don't know. I've never been a guy who went for getting things signed. I don't know what it is. Like, it's not that I don't like them or I don't. I mean, I went to so many Nam things and I just went every once in a blue moon and got something signed because one of my friends were in a lineup. So I would be with them and I would, you know, just stand in line. So I would get something signed. But I've met so many people and I've never asked them for it. It's just, I don't know, it's just not my thing. I think Daniel's kind of the same way too. I think that he's not really into the whole signing of the autographs. But the one item that I do have that I take very seriously and I, I think is a dear item to me, and of course I have to thank Mr. Julian Gill for it, is my gold destroyer disc on the wall there. I'm just hoping they don't do a platinum one. There you go. <laughs> On the but wall you know, there. So. You know, Mark will sign his own albums, though, for you. Well, yeah. Th th I mean, that that's upon, you know, if you, people <laughs> people ask for it, believe it or not, you know. So, uh, but, hey, you, you got to give what the people want. If they want it signed, I'll sign it. If they don't want it signed, I won't sign it. But, you know, honestly, that is the one thing, though, that I do cherish and is my probably my prize thing. So I do thank you for that, Julian. Well, thank you. It's good to have all of you as part of the show. All right, Daniel. Uh, was Mark right? You don't care? 
when I was a kid, it was pretty cool, I think, when I was 15, 16 years old, and I got a hold of First Kiss, Last Licks with Eric Carr's autograph, like a year after he died. That was a special feeling. So I do get, you know, the feeling you have, some people have when they get autographs. But nowadays, I, I really don't care. But, but, but back then, it was pretty cool. It was like the distance between the band and yourself became less, and you almost, it was so cool that man eric Carr put his pen here and now i'm holding this so when i was 15 16 years old it was really cool but uh since then uh i'm not into autographs or vinyl anymore. now now there's twitter and instagram and all these other things it's nice to have the bands far away and go back to the old days actually <laughs> so all right lonnie you dashed off did you have a, a i did a i um i have this book that i made it's like I, well, I actually have like a series of them of, that wow. I made of um, different things like I've done with the band, whether it's like pictures from a show, like pictures from like every show I've gone to, my, my ticket subs and stuff like that. And this is nice. the first edition that I that I ever did. And this wow. one, you can see like me with the bands in the front. And this side, has, and this side has Ace, Eric Singer, says Bruce Gillick, and it says to Lonnie, a true fan, Paul Stanley. One Very of my nice. highest possessions, and on the back, and on the back's cover has Vinnie G, Peter, Paul again, and Tommy Thayer. Like every living member signed this one for me. That's Very awesome. Nice. That's that's really cool. I, when I get stuff signed, it usually says you're violating the terms of order. Cease and desist. All right, I think we've got time for one more topic. Mark, did you find one? Uh, actually, yeah, I, I don't, I'm not sure if that's what the one that I was actually looking at at first. But the one thing that I did see on here that somebody brought up was, uh, what would you like to see next from the soundboard series? And that's that's one thing that I've been thinking about quite a lot because, uh, you know, they started it off with like a 2001 series concert, right? Which is kind of unexpected, I thought. I didn't think they would start so late in their career with the, I thought they would have started, started something a little bit more back in mm -hmm. the beginnings so um i i'd like to hear something maybe from like a you know really early on even you know what i mean so something that doesn't require them to do like three albums you know like maybe do something from that like a hotter than hell tour like a good soundboard from that tour you know because they were really it was really raw then still they were really hungry still then too and it's i i just think that it would be cool to have a really early one done and instead of having it so you know nonchalantly made, maybe put a little bit more effort into the cover. Maybe put in like an insert or two with something in there historic, you know, nothing over the top because we know we won't, they won't do that. But you know, something early, you know, on uh, that's what I think. I'm curious of what you guys would hope for maybe in the next uh, series there. Okay, Ken. Yeah, well, yeah, I was thinking about that recently because I thought you know. They need to start releasing these more frequently. I mean, I, I know the one just came out, but to me, they should be putting out like four a year or something before. <laughs> I mean, there's got to be a ton of recordings out there that they have. Um, but yeah, one of the things I'd like to see is uh, the Japan, the, you know, the rock and roll party, that one that they were going to put out um, uh, album that then became, you know, Alive 2. I, I would like a that kind of soundboard from that. Um, and yeah, like Mark said, it would be nice if they did a little bit extra 
slightly you don't have to do go crazy but uh, a little bit extra as far as the packaging uh maybe a picture at least of the band or, or something inside I, you know yeah or, or some em- kind of embossed kiss army logo oh mm. man of course Ooh, yeah wow but but or, or a sheet uh that has you know information about what was going on in the band at the time and about the live performance and the tour or whatever uh with a few pictures on that uh that would be cool you know some background just not mm. like here's yeah. a bunch of songs we played live this is by the merch you know yeah yeah, yeah <laughs> just, just buy it and don't ask any questions so um, i'm a t-shirt bundle <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah something like that um i would like okay i'm gonna go next because i just saw a really good one that uh made me think um then i can't remember what it was yeah do you remember a few years ago there, there was an auction and Eddie Kramer had his master reference reels for the rock and roll party in Tokyo 77 show that was fully mixed and that those got pulled from the auction for obvious reasons. So I would love that to be released. And that would be a single LP as I, I believe it would be anyway. So in order to thicken up that packaging, to have a the 12 by 12 photo book to go along with that single LP, um, you know, and still have it in the plain brown so that it matches, but to have it thick. I think that one is one that's on a lot of people's hit list to have a perfect quality version of that. And if they do have reels and God knows if they still have multi-tracks, then to have that sounding as clear and as bombastic as the Tokyo, the other Tokyo show, I think would be really cool. I've, I've seen the, the, the posting about the Nashville, look it up one. I don't see anything with Vinny happening, uh, but I do like the suggestion of an animalized one as well. Uh, Lonnie. Um, for me, for me, it's back to Japan and do Japan '95 um, with with Bruce and Eric. That's mm-hmm. what, those are some of my favorite shows that are, or something from South America in '94. I think the band never sounded tighter what they did in '94, '95. So I think either one of those two shows would would definitely be my pick. All right, who hasn't had a pick? Daniel. I'm sorry, Daniel. Which Stockholm show would you like released? <laughs> Actually, uh, Lonnie picked some of my uh, some of the shows that are on on my list. But um, first of all, I would like to see them put a little more effort into the packaging. I know they were going for like the unofficial bootleg uh, look, but uh, I really don't see any reason to buy something that looks like that when I have Spotify. I mean, uh, uh, <laughs> you need to put some effort into it in order to make me want to buy it. So yeah. that was would be the first thing. I mean, have a look at the fans' uh, versions of of uh, the bootlegs and uh, and uh, steal some ideas from from them because they got it right. Uh, and then my pick would actually be from the Revenge era as well because, as Lonnie said, the band to me never sounded tighter, better heavier, harder, uh, great uh, backup singers, you know, with Eric doing the, the backup vocals and um, great set list all through the years from 92 to 95. But but I think I'll go for, for the, the one of the shows in England. You know, that was really the first tour that um, lineup did, if you don't count the uh, club dates. Uh, and it was... Uh, like a 
shock to senses to hear those shows for the first actually we time. got called out on that previously when we were talking about it when we called the 92 tour england because they did go to uh, scotland yeah, so true. let's be yeah. let's be accurate this time but no, but no, one knows, no one no one can tell the difference between the uk great britain and i'm english i'm not going to call out for it again <laughs> what's the difference between the uk and great britain then I, i've never learned that is there a difference it's northern ireland Okay, so Northern Ireland is a part of Great Britain or a part of the UK? The United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. Sure. Okay. Geography lesson for That's, the day. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you guys seem to need a few geography lessons. We're very confused and schizophrenic. Well, yeah, that's true. But Wembley 92 heavy sound tight band uh, and it fits my timeline perfectly that was when i was most into the band uh, and put a bit more effort into the packaging then i'll buy it yeah or so i would buy lonely another... suggestions as well you know south Thank you. america Ooh. what about <laughs> another short-lived lineup like uh eric carr 1980 yeah, that'd be great too. Well. What was yeah, interesting New was, New yeah, I was going through memos from that tour, and they were trying to negotiate um, a live broadcast. They were going to record the July the twenty fifth debut of Eric Carr for a King Biscuit episode, and Chom up in I think Toronto, Mark. Mm -hmm. is, um, was trying to negotiate getting a copy of the soundboard to. Um, to broadcast locally and then they were talking about that we will keep this under security or make sure no one gets a copy and all that or, or coming up with like different solutions for that so if they have you know if they did do anything to record that july the 25th show in particular because obviously it being eric's first with the band would be fantastic and then the other one that we've mentioned previously was the one that was previously announced uh, the to be the first in the series which was of course nashville 1990 so presumably they have a hot in the shade one that could also be ready to go but i think uh if there's any well there is legitimacy to the story about king biscuit but whether it did get recorded at the palladium that'd be very very cool all right that's a whole bunch of topics we are not as prepared as i thought i was going to be but i've been busy um so we're going to call that a show for this week. We will do these live ones again. So if you've been able to join us and would join us again, think of some topics, comments, suggestions, or anything that you think you'd like us to pontificate on live and on the air. Uh, we appreciate all of you you know, joining us because that's uh, absolutely awesome that you took time to, to join us. So do check out those episodes of the Kiss FAQ song story series if you haven't. And for now, from Daniel, from Ken, Lonnie, Mark, and myself, thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Bye now. Bye-bye. See ya. Thank you for spending time listening to the Kiss FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.